Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy New Year, dear Christians. You can tell from the trees and from the beautiful decorations in our chancel today that something is different. That long run of green that marked the season after Pentecost has given way to the rich blues of Advent. And once again, a new church year begins. The Gospel readings of our Sunday Scripture lessons begin a new cycle as well, moving from those that focused on St. Mark's Gospel in cycle B into those that will largely use St. Luke's account in series C. We ready ourselves to recall the coming of the Christ child into the world. But Advent is a lot more than that. It is a season of preparation, to be sure. But it's not just preparation for Christmas, or at least it shouldn't be. It's really a season to prepare ourselves. With penitent hearts, we come with trepidation before God, kneeling as we did earlier in confession and absolution. If we understand Advent rightly, we face the reality that the one before whom we confess our unworthiness is not just that cute little baby lying in the manger, but the omnipotent creator of heaven and earth, maker of all things visible and invisible, as we will confess shortly. In not just adoration and in joy, but also in awe of his power and in fear of his holiness, we ought to tremble in the knowledge that he knows every evil thought we've ever had, every hateful and blasphemous word that we've ever spoken even under our breath. Our preparations, therefore, should be a lot more than just putting together and decorating our houses and our chancel, writing down our menus and our shopping lists. It is a preparation within as well. An openness to allow the Holy Spirit to remind us that the babe of Bethlehem is more than a cute baby in a heartwarming story. He may have come in the quiet of the night in an out-of-the-way city, but the implication for our world and for our lives are no less significant and no less powerful than if he strode up to your front doors and kicked them in SWAT style. So don't underestimate or downplay Advent. Don't underestimate God. Don't be like those Pharisees in today's Gospel lesson. Now, it might seem strange to us that the season of Advent would open with a Palm Sunday text. But I think that just goes to underscore the fact that Advent is more than just about Christmas. It's about the coming of the Savior, yes. About His coming in every time, in every place, and in every way. Even in the unexpected ones. His triumphal entry into Jerusalem on that Sunday was just as much a strange and shocking invasion of a world that was comfortable in its sins and its sinfulness as had been his birth three decades earlier. Our lesson opens with these words. And when he had said these things, well, what things were those that the Lord had said? If you take a look at the text just before today's gospel lesson, you'll see that Jesus told a parable. It was a parable about a nobleman leaving his native land to become a king elsewhere. He had entrusted his possessions to his servants, expecting them to care for them, to make them productive in his absence. He found, however, that 
not all of his servants were faithful in carrying out their appointed tasks. Nor did the people of the kingdom which he had been given, did they receive him willingly. It's a parable about those both inside and outside the church. Those outside reject Jesus the King completely. And according to the parable, they are slaughtered for their rebellion. Those inside the family of faith are saved. And they all remain in service to the Lord to varying degrees. But those who have made best use of His resources that He's given them are commended and rewarded for their good works. It's in this context then that Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. And that going up is not a mistake or a miswrite on Luke's part either. Even though Jesus was traveling from Bethphage and Bethany, which are to the east of Jerusalem, he was still going up to the city. It's only with our modern knowledge of geography and our arbitrary orientation of maps that we have a tendency, thinking, tendency rather to think of up as being north. For instance, we often speak of going up to Dallas or down to San Antonio. But the fact is, Jerusalem was a city that was well elevated above its surrounding territory, so one physically had to go up to reach it. Two disciples are dispatched to obtain transportation for Jesus. Now, he doesn't send them off to get a white stallion, a strong and swift horse fit for a warrior king, however. They get a young donkey, the sort of thing that a poor man might ride upon if a poor man could afford one at all. In other words, Jesus has that day and age's fiat, not its Ferrari. And as the disciples obtain the colt, its owners are given an opportunity to trust. A gift of faith bestowed by Jesus who knew that at his word, they would willingly entrust that colt to his servants. A few cloaks are laid on its back and Jesus mounts up. Soon a large crowd of those who had followed and heard and learned from Jesus forms. It's not just a little tiny gathering outside the city gates. We are told that even as he comes down the Mount of Olives, which is on another hill across a valley from the city, a fair distance in fact, there they begin to shout their acclamations. What Luke records next is actually rather astounding to me. Although I've read this section of the text many, many times, this week I noticed something that I had not seen before. Look at the words of the gospel lesson in your bulletin and see if you don't see it too. As we begin Advent and we prepare for our Christmas and more, note the parallels here in language to Luke's nativity account. You recall at Jesus' birth as he enters the fallen world, It is a multitude of the heavenly host that praises God. Here, as Jesus is about to enter the holy city and prepare for his death for that world, it is a multitude of his disciples. And that same word, multitude, is used. Also, the angel host on Bethlehem's plains said, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. The disciples on Jerusalem hillside shout, Peace in heaven! and glory in the highest. When he is born, peace on earth. Is he about to die, peace in heaven. The Prince of Peace comes. The Prince of Peace goes. The eternal King, this God become man, 
is the once and for all reconciler of man to God. Likewise, we are told the disciples here praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen. And similar things were said of the shepherds of whom it was written, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. We should not really be surprised at the parallels, of course, because our God is a consistent God. He surprises us only because we are so fickle and flawed and that we cannot fathom the constancy of His love, His grace, His mercy, and His purpose. But He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the God who comes to us. He is the God who advents Himself for our sake. And in Christ, He advents Himself over and over and over again so that you might know Him, receive Him, and shout with the crowds, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. You might say that His first advent is when He was born in Bethlehem. His second advent could be considered His baptism as He began His public ministry by consecrating the waters that would one day wash you clean of sin as well. And his third advent might be in this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the city of kings. You know, there's another little parallel between this account of Jesus' advent at the Jerusalem gates and his earlier advent at Bethlehem's stable. We might miss it if we don't read a little bit further on in the birth narrative, past where the shepherds come, past where Mary has treasured all these things up in her heart even after the shepherds have gone their way to spread the good news. The other parallel, which is really part commonality and part contrast, is this. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day after his advent in Bethlehem. Having humbled himself and become like us, he is initiated and incorporated into God's covenant people by the shedding of his blood. He's placed under the law which God has given His people to obey, a task that no one has successfully completed in all of the millennia of human existence. And yet there He is on that Palm Sunday, 30-some-odd years later, still having remained sinless, still having obeyed His Father's will, still pressing on and up toward Jerusalem, and what He knows and what He has prophesied will take place toward Him. And eight days later, having shed His blood once more, and this time fatally, the law is not only fulfilled, it is perfected. It is overcome by the advent of our God. He who humbled Himself and became obedient unto death is raised to life once more. Jesus advents Himself once more, showing Himself to His disciples so that they might have the joy that His death is not the end, but only the portal to eternal life. Lots and lots of Advents then, but only one Jesus. So then I might ask you, for which of His Advents should you prepare? The Bethlehem Advent? The River Jordan Advent? One of the Jerusalem Advents? Those are all very important. They're all very worthwhile to know and to remember but they are also historical events. Things that happened long ago. Things that you did not see yourself, but of which you have heard. Things given us by reliable witness and conveyed to us by the work of the Holy Spirit in the written Word. 
But Jesus still has lots of Advents for you. Just as he has plenty of Epiphanies and Easter's and Pentecost yet too. He has Advented himself to you in water and word in spirit at the baptism you had. He's Advented himself to you in song. He's Advented to you Advented himself to you when you receive his forgiveness of your sins and his absolution. And he's advented to you once again in the coming of his body and blood each time he advents a foretaste of the feast to come in his holy supper. I won't knock you for using the Advent season as a time to prepare for Christmas. For Christmas certainly is an important time in the life of Christians and the life of the church. But don't make your Advent too narrow, too small, too limited by our puny minds and our shrunken hearts. Let Christ Advent you, that He dwells within you day by day through the Spirit's work. You become more enlightened and more enriched to see the fullness of His coming in every sense, in every dimension, in history, in your life now, and in His final Advent too. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on earth and glory to God in the highest. Amen.